looking at an incredible book in the Bible, incredible book in the Bible called Daniel. And the title of the series that we're going through is How to Thrive in a Chaotic World. So we're going to look at this amazing book uh, that addresses how to live, how to thrive more than how to survive uh, in a crazy world that we live. And so we're going to be encouraged uh, also uh, by going old school this year. I'm going to encourage you to bring your old paper Bibles and mark them up and all. So, but we're going to look at some challenging aspects of Daniel. Uh, every week we're going to give you a challenge. So we're going to have about 20 challenges over the next 20 weeks. On going to challenge you on how you think, uh, on how you act, on how you live. So, uh, and challenge you to step up to a new level in your Christian experience. So I am not holding anything back. I want, by the way, I want to give a shout out to Matt Higgins, who spoke last week and did a great job. We could put our heads together for Matt. But there will be a, a weekly challenge. So this is where we're going in the series. Uh, it'll be a very specific. So, uh, so over the next few months, the challenge then is going to be modeled after uh, Daniel, who was a man of God. Uh, he stood out uh, from all of the rest. Uh, he honored God. He was an influencer rather than being influenced by the world. So every week, uh, we're going to, um, uh, the message will be formed around a new challenge uh, to uh, sort of a dare to be like Daniel, to rise up, to be counted, to be different, to be distinct, uh, and most of all, to be pleasing to God. And so, uh, which makes me ask the question here for today, uh, in what areas of your life do you experience the most pressure to conform to culture or worldly standards. We're going to talk about that. I think for some people, it's uh, maybe your worldview, your, uh, perhaps it's your education, sexual freedom, uh, maybe being successful, maybe appearance there. But having a godly purpose inside you will help keep the pressure outside of you from controlling you. So we're going to talk a little bit about, about that. So I want, let me talk about briefly the background for Daniel chapter 1. Then we'll be reading it. We read the Bible, we explain the Bible, and then we will apply the Bible. So Daniel is a teenager. Bible scholars say he was about 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. Life happens unexpectedly to Daniel. Anybody here, life happens unexpectedly to you. But there's God working supernaturally. So I think sometimes we need to relax and calm down because God is at work. But anyway, one author said that God's ways are behind the scenes, but he moves all the scenes he is behind, end of quote. So Daniel now is exiled to Babylon, and Babylon is dramatically, radically different from where he was, where he was from. So everything then changes overnight. Babylonians, what they would typically do is they would attack a city, they would kill, and then they would take hostage tens of thousands of young men, young women, and, and uh, all ages. And then what they would do is they, Daniel was part of that group uh, that had been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon, about 700-mile trip there. So uh, the culture is in an absolute uproar. You can imagine, imagine if your teenagers here, somebody came and took these two teenagers and exiled them 700 miles away, what that would be like. And so over the course of about 20 years, what happened was is King Nebuchadnezzar then would in, invade Israel over and over again, southern Israel. And, uh, and a lot of these captives end up living their whole life there, like 70 years they would be in Babylon. 
So now we have the first captives being Daniel, and then Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. And so the story of the book of Daniel is about Daniel, surprise. Daniel then, of course, was taken captive. But what I love about Daniel is Daniel then is a timeless example for us of how we want to live in the culture that we live. So we're going to be talking about that for the next 20 weeks. So if you're able, we're going to read, uh, if you're able to stand, I'm going to invite you to stand as we read Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. I'm going to read the first verse, uh, the third, you'll read the second and fourth. And so, and uh, here it is. This is the word of the Lord. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and the other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. And the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. And they were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. That was awesome. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we're here. And thank you that we get to open the scriptures. And thank you that uh, we get to hear God's voice through uh, the timeless uh, God-breathed scriptures. So, Father, praying that you would speak to us, that you'd open the eyes of our understanding and bless uh, the, the, the word of God to our hearts in Christ's name. And everyone agreed saying, amen. So how to thrive then? How do you thrive? How do you thrive in a chaotic, crazy world? How many people know we live in a crazy world? I mean, it's just it's crazy out there. It's out of control. And so what happens here, we're going to see in the first couple of verses, is life happens like absolutely, unexpectedly, on steroids to David, Meshach, uh, Abednego, uh, and Mishael. And so the history again is Nebuchadnezzar is attacking Jerusalem, carrying not only the possessions from Jerusalem, but the people from Jerusalem. And they're taken uh, to a land that there is completely foreign and completely alien to them. So how is it, I think, that many of us can feel like we're living in a land that is not our own? Uh, in Scripture, Babylon was not only a physical place, but Babylon's also a pattern. Babylon, then, is a way of, of thinking. Babylon wants you to not only live in the world, but to be absolutely, unreservedly for the world. The spirit of Babylon then, the same spirit that is in Babylon now, the spirit of the world. A lot of the things I'm going to talk about this morning that existed then exist now. So the pattern of Babylon the goal of Babylon is to remake you. So the Babylon wants to snatch your heart and to pull you away from God. But Daniel refused to be molded and shaped by the culture. We're going to talk about that. So he stayed in Babylon after he was a captive, stayed for the rest of his life. He never would bend. He never would conform. He purposed in his heart not to be defiled. It can be said that though Daniel lived in Babylon... Babylon never lived in Daniel. So it is possible for us, and we live in Babylon just like him, the same spirit that ruled the age then, rules the age now, but it is possible to live in Babylon without Babylon living in you. 
That is to say that we live in a world that has standards that the world wants us to conform to. I will relentlessly, as long as you have breath in your lungs, try to get you to conform to those standards. And so that uh, is the way of Babylon. So what they did then is they took the cream of the crop of the captives. They brainwashed them. They isolated them. uh, And so they indoctrinated them. So they took a three-pronged approach to converting them to their mindset. I'm going to talk about those three approaches that are prevalent today as we look at how to thrive in a chaotic world. Point number one is this, is they isolated them. They lived in isolation. And this was Babylon's attempt to remake the four teenagers that we're talking about here. So if you're a teenager here today or you're a young adult, uh, this is especially applicable to you, though it is applicable to all of us. But the pattern of Babylon always wants to remake you into its image. So they knew that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, were not Babylonians, so they wanted to make them Babylonians. So what they needed to do is they had to isolate them, and they isolated them from the people of Israel, brought them to Babylon. So, uh, which is a good question, because they are going to be remade in the image of Babylon, the attempt. So I would ask you this question by way of introduction. Where are you most likely, or where are you most vulnerable to be remade? Well, the pattern to remake you begins by firstly removing you from a community of God's people. You see that today all the time. So Babylon realized with them that if we can only isolate you, we can indoctrinate you, and we can change you. We can tell you how to think and how to live. But what about Daniel? How did Daniel then thrive in the chaos? How are you going to thrive in the chaos? Well, here's something that you got to know. Somebody had to lay a foundation in this guy's life. I mean, how does a 15 or 16-year-old uh, who's completely separated from everything that he knows then uh, lives this life of absolute devotion to God without there having been somebody influencing and pouring into his life? He was a grandmother or grandfather or parents, but somebody was laying a foundation and pouring into him. How else do you get so strong and resolute like Daniel with such unwavering integrity for all of his life unless somebody was pointing into him? Well, anyways, Daniel was that guy, and Daniel was ready. Daniel was ready for Babylon, which makes me think, what about us? Are we really ready for Babylon? I'm going to unpack that this morning. So Babylon, the world is constantly isolating you, assaulting you, doing anything that it can to put a wedge and separate you from the Lord. The pattern of Babylon is always to pull you away in the most subtle of ways here. So let me give you some practical encouragement about that, about being isolated. Isolate you from what? Isolate you from, uh, from God's word. Isolate you from uh, the gathering like we're doing this morning here. So first of all, let me encourage you that it is so vital and central to your life to be planted in a biblical gospel community with other Christ followers. It's important for you to also to stay regular in the rhythms of your life. Our creator who created us designed us that we on a regular rhythms of life on a weekly basis 
would gather together. Oh, you can watch church online, but things happen here in community that don't happen anywhere else. So if you isolate yourself from a biblical community, then you're more vulnerable uh, to the philosophies and values and culture uh, that we live in. So you want to plant yourself both in a personal way in Scripture, but also in a, in a corporate way, where because the reality is we need one another, where we can do what we're doing right now. We can look at the Scripture together. In fact, so important is this, the author of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it said, let us not neglect meeting together as is the habit of some. Some, because of COVID or uh, whatever habits or hobbies, neglect meeting together. So God knows that we need each other. So my challenge to you in 2024 is to plant yourself and not deny the corporate gathering of Bible study and prayer and worship here. So let me say this with uh, a pastoral um, heart uh, and give you some perspective on corporate worship in this year, 2024, about don't forsake the assembling together. So I get it. Uh, you know, business happens, life happens and all that. But what the Bible is saying to us is make the Sunday morning gathering central to your life. Not peripheral where you kind of, you know, fit it in and, and, uh, and everything else is central. And God and his church is peripheral. And, no, make it, make it central to your life. In other words, build your life around Sundays. Build your life around church. And by that, like, what are you saying? Well, this is what I'm saying, is that we have six other days of the week then to do all the other stuff out there, including watch football. I love football like all the guys. That I love football just as much as you do. But you can YouTube it so you don't have to miss Sunday mornings. I'm just saying, and I'm feeling the love like I've never felt the love. Thank you. So, but you can go to LA Fitness six and a half days a week. You can shop. You can work on your golf game six and a half other days of the week. So the Bible's saying, look, uh, don't miss the gathering uh, there. So anyways, how do you thrive in a chaotic world? Number one, you got to resist the isolation that can happen. But number two is to resist indoctrination. So indoctrination in Babylon, uh, what they would do is they would challenge the four Babylonian teenagers, try to brainwash them, challenge them on their worldview, steep them in literature that would challenge their worldview. So everything that they learned then was being challenged by a pagan Babylonian worldview. Things have not changed, friends. So in archaeology studies, archaeological studies show this. They even trained them in divination, in absolute, utter darkness. So just like today, same spirit then, same spirit now, secular universities, teachers try to undermine Christian students' belief and get them to question, and systematically, they will do that and target them. I experienced that when I was a, a college student. So Babylon, what Babylon wants to do then, what Babylon wants to do now is force feed you, force feed your mind, tell you what to think, tell you how to think here. So what the world does then and the world does now is demand conformity. There's tremendous pressure then to conform. Let's look at verse three. 
Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and the other noble families who'd been brought uh, to Babylon as captives. The king wants to corrupt them. Verse 4, select only strong, healthy, good-looking young men. This is the cream of the crop. And he said, make sure they're well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Watch. Train or teach them, that is to retrain, reteach, re-educate, indoctrinate, brainwash these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. So what Babylon wants to do then and now, things, nothing has changed, is what they want to do is they want to isolate you, then indoctrinate you, re-educate you, brainwash your mind. So there's three prongs here that we're looking at. The first was to isolate. The second one is to indoctrinate. So how did they do that? Well, they sent them to university like they do today. So they sent them there for three years at the University of Babylon. We just read about that, that they'd be taught in language and literature. And so the education, though, watch, is so important. The education wasn't just so they would know about Babylon. The education then was to turn them into Babylonians. The education was to get them to think like Babylonians. The pattern of Babylon, our enemy, indoctrination, is the same today. That the culture then wants to challenge you so you don't think like a Christ follower. So you don't think biblically. Nothing has changed. So you have to, what you face is this. You face, uh, you got a phone? Anybody got, got a phone here? So you face a relentless onslaught of images every day from a world hoping to re-educate you, to indoctrinate you, to brainwash you. And, uh, and here are just some of the messages that you hear. I'll just grab a couple few ones because we don't have time to really talk about it. Uh, but, uh, hey, find yourself. You got, you got to find yourself. And then uh, you, you, heard that all, you heard that all the time. And then it's like, hey, well, that's your truth, and this is my truth which it's just intellectual dishonesty that there can be so much, all of these truths. And so uh, you only live once. Well, the pattern of Babylon uh, uh, tells you that uh, it's because you, you can't find yourself. And there's no like, this is your truth and my truth and their truth and everybody's truth. There's like one truth. Jesus said, like, I'm in the truth and the, the way and the life here. And then people say, you only live once. Well, that's nonsense. You live Forever. Yeah, you know, you got a choice of where you're going, but you live forever. That's funny. I don't care what you think. That was funny. And so, but listen, you carry in your pockets and your purses uh, that which has an onslaught of constant images that are attempting to remake you. Friends, we live in modern Babylon. And so, and think about this. Think about this. Do you really think that a, just like a couple hours a month at church? Is, is enough to fight the onslaught of attempts to change you? So, we, so we, need to be, we need to be committed. So this is why you need to throw yourself uh, into the Scripture. Throw yourself into corporate uh, unpacking of Scripture. And when you look at yourself, again, when you look at your, your life, like where would you be the most likely to be remade? So and here's the Babylon master plan, verse 5. 
through the language and literature, what they, what they did then, uh, the intent was as they would capture the hearts and the minds of the younger generation. Again, that's where we live today. So developing a, Bibli- a, a Babylonian mindset, Babylonian uh, 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 thinking, and then being incredibly intentional about doing that. So their thinking was, hey, if we can just teach them our language and our literature long enough, we will make their minds and their thinking Babylonian. And so we all understand that you know, education uh, can be good, can be a very powerful tool, but also education uh, can be a powerful tool for evil. And so we have to be discerning. Uh, uh, what is the education for the sake of? Is it for the advancement of knowledge or for the purpose of indoctrination? Some education is for the express purpose of indoctrination. That's not good education. Uh, we see that in institutions of higher learning and media and the internet, trying to convince us of things that are not true as if they were true. That is the truth. So what are we going to do? Like, like, what are you going to do with all that? It's just reality. It's the reality that we live in, in the, in the Babylonian uh, uh, assault-like attack of our minds. Well, here's what we have to do. We have to build this grid into our lives where we have, we, we, we have to sift through all of the Babylonian mindset with a biblical mindset. So you always have to think, well, where does this line up with what God has said here? Verse 5. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens, and they were to be trained for three years at the Babylonian University, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all of them tribe of Judah. So here these young uh, teenagers were given uh, names, Jewish names, just good boys by their good Jewish parents, gave them names that honored God. And when they got to Babylon, Babylon was like, we're going to change that, and we're going to give them Babylonian names which dishonor God. In fact, we're going to give them names which are names after our gods, after our small g gods here. So like Daniel's name means God is my judge. So think about it. Uh, Daniel grew up his whole life. What he's hearing is, God is my judge. God is my judge. God is my judge. In other words, his parents were saying to him, hey, Daniel, you don't have to worry about what other people think about you. It's God that is your judge, not all those other knuckleheads out there. So you don't have to worry about getting their approval. You, you, you just worry about God's approval. He alone, Daniel, is your judge. But then they changed his name to Belteshazzar, which means Baal provides. They're, they're their small g God. I mean, so anyway, then Hananiah, his name means God is gracious. What, what a beautiful name there. But then they changed his name to, to the, their sun god in Babylon, Aku, another pagan god. They're trying to change their identity. Same thing is happening today. Azariah means God has helped me. And then they changed his name to Abednego, which speaks of the god of Nebo. So there it is. It happened with Mishael uh, also. So, but the pattern is, is to change your identity, to confuse you. How much is that happening in culture today to try to confuse our, our generations here? So the first thing you got to do if you're going to thrive, you got to resist being isolated. You have to resist being indoctrinated. Number three then is about what they did is identity 
alteration. Ha, how about a hot ticket uh, subject now? So it says the chief of staff, watch, look at that. Here's what the chief of staff did. Can we go to that scripture maybe? The chief of staff then renamed them. Is not that happening today? Being renamed to whatever you want to name yourself. So, you know, Facebook, I was reading this week that in one of their drop downs, uh, you could pick between 71, 71 different pronouns. I mean, friends, that's just, that's just dishonest. That's like intellectual and biological dishonesty. More on that in an- another time. But anyway, so they're renaming them. Same spirit uh, of our age today. So Daniel then is called Belteshazzar, uh, Hananiah, Shadrach, Mishael, named Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. Confusing them, trying to alter their identity. So Babylon then stripped them uh, of their godly uh, names and gave them uh, uh, Babylonian names. And so uh, they got rid of their birth names and honored God and gave them these, these corrupt names. So they were intensely trying to change their identity. Daniel had you know, this incredible name, and as well the others. So anyway, and I want to say a few words about identity. Because there's something that you really need to get clear, and there's always assaults and attacks on your identity. So you want to be clear about your identity because you live your whole life out of your identity. The Bible says that um, our identity is so important that we'll live our lives out of our identity. As a person thinks in their heart, that is your identity, like that's who you are. And so, but there's things that can subtly, subtly start to, to go after your heart and pull you away from Christ Jesus to find your identity in lesser things. For example, especially I think men are, are vulnerable to this, uh, you find your identity in what you do. Hey, what do you do? What's what I do? What's your job? It's my job. And so, uh, or what's your sports team? Oh, you're a Rams fan. You know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a Colorado fan, whatever. And so, uh, you find your identity in your title. Well, I'm, I'm a doctor. Well, I'm a manager. Well, I'm a coach or whatever. Or your rank or your accomplishments or, you know, your physical appearance, uh, that you're attractive. Or, and that can become your identity. And so, or like a ring you have on your finger or a trophy or, or a diploma or an address. These are all things that become, can become part of your identity. So you need to be just... I'm just kind of giving us a, a subtle encouragement to take inventory of all that, that those things don't shape you and define you, because the reality is this. Those things will fade away, and those things will eventually fail you. But never the Lord, never in having a Godward identity, that I'm a, I'm a Christ follower, I'm a child of God. And so you want to be rooted and grounded in that, that Jesus Christ, uh, I'm his follower. He's my rock and my fortress and my deliverer and my provider. And like Gideon, I'm a man whom, I'm a woman whom God is with. And so he is my strength and my provider and my sustainer and my hope and my everything. And so you want to find your identity in Christ. They, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had their identity in God. That was one of the reasons why they didn't uh, fall to the culture. So how did Daniel then thrive in a chaotic, crazy world? Well, I want to talk about his personal response there. What was Daniel's response is that he had a personal resolution. Uh, and so we read about it in verse 8. 
But Daniel, watch. What does but Daniel mean? But Daniel didn't go with the flow. So but Daniel then, he resolved. Daniel purposed in his heart. That's on the inside there. Watch, not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given him by the king. You think, what's the big deal with that? I'll explain that in just a second here. Therefore, he requested the chief of staff that he might not defile himself. But Daniel, not going to go with the flow. And so, uh, so what we need today, in the younger generation and older generation, we need this very thing here. We need purpose. Like it was resolute uh, purpose that he had in his life. I like to think of it as a, as a holy resolve. Daniel said, hey, We'll go to that university of uh, the Babylonians. I will study the Babylon. We'll do all their classes and all that stuff here. But we're drawing the line right here. Uh, we're not going to defile ourselves by eating the food here. And so Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're raised in the king's court there, and they're allowed to eat from the king's kitchen. We're talking, friends, about an all-you-can-eat buffet. They're like, we're not doing that. Like, how does, that, how does that happen here? How do they take a stand? How do they stand alone? Though it may not seem like a big deal to us, it was a big deal. Because they dug in and they said, we say no. We're not crossing the line here. And the reason was because the food was dedicated to all their Babylonian gods. And there was uh, kind of laws and all that in the, in the mind of a, of a Jew that these things were unkosher and unthinkable than to eat them because they were offered to the Babylonian deities. So notice Daniel did not go to the chef of the staff and say, hey, um, uh, please, you know, uh, can, we, can we work this out? And I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to eat that food. Like, there's no way. Uh, and so you'd think that, you'd think that if you wanted to, to climb the corporate ladder of Babylon, you'd like kiss up to the king, like, oh yeah, all the delicacies of the king's palace Bring them on. Oh, that's so great, King. We love that. You know, so anyway, none of that. So, but he asked you uh, to eat food from his kitchen and not to blow him off. But they drew a line in the sand here, and they said uh, uh, to, the, to the boss, hey, with all due respect, my conscience convicts me, and I can't eat that food. And so they purposed in their heart not to do that, and then they made their stand. In the same way, there comes a time for everyone in this room and everyone watching online where you must make your stand. You must purpose in your heart. You must have that resolution before the event happens. If you don't, you're, you're just going to give in in the moment there. Perhaps have a, a, a line, a stand morally, you know, physically, uh, what you can allow in your eye gate, what you can allow to hear, all that. So how did Daniel thrive in a chaotic world? Daniel resolved, the word actually means in Hebrew, not to pollute himself. So that will pollute me if I cross that line, so I'm not going to cross that line. So uh, again, it was part of their Mosaic law and all of that, that they're not going to eat food offered to idols. So God was honored there because of Daniel's resolution. So here's a young man who's living in Babylon, but Babylon is not living in him. How about us? We can live in Babylon and not have the culture, the values uh, live in us. 
So, and I just want to encourage you by wrapping up here, not to let the power of Babylon cause you to forget, cause you to forget who you are and whose you are. And let the example of, of Daniel be an example to all of us. Because the world wants to shape you. The world wants to seduce you into its mold. So I got a few final comments here, and then I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. So watch. Commitment begins inwardly, purposed in his heart. Daniel, watch. Daniel made a choice, and the choice made Daniel. Daniel made a choice, and the choice made Daniel become the great young man that he was. I'm telling you, you make choices, and those choices will make you. So Daniel took uh, uh, what was to not go along with the crowd. Daniel chose to be distinct, not to defile himself. And there are things in life that still defile us to our final breath. Daniel drew a line uh, at the food line. And so, but what you say, what's the big deal? Uh, so Daniel made an inward commitment to be distinct. Daniel uh, made an inward commitment to have purpose and not be defiled in his heart. So what about you? Like, what are the things that defile us here? Like, you know what those things are. I, I don't know what they are. But I know things that defile people. I mean, the internet defiles a lot of men and women. Uh, what you read, what you allow into your eye gate can defile you. What you allow into your, your ear gate can defile you. The company that you're with, that can defile you, that you, you hang out with. Uh, uh, the TV that, you know, things that, that you take in, that, that can defile you. The relationships you're considering or maybe the relationships you're to toying with, that can defile you. So it takes, look at, if you're going you're gonna to thrive in the culture, here it is. You have to purpose in your heart not to be defiled. It's simple. These, these truths that have, that have been true for thousands of years. So the secret to living a distinct life is this. Living in a life with an awareness that, hey, well, nobody, nobody else has seen. Like, I can get away with it. No one's going to know here. But you've got to realize, like, God it's always looking. You know, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord is going to and fro like throughout the whole earth, that he might show himself strong to those whose hearts are, are, are right toward him. God is always looking. We all, we all live in Babylon. So the power of Babylon is all around you, and you have to remember whose you are and who you are. And not allow the power of Babylon to subtly begin to make you and shape you and remake you and, 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 and re-educate you. you got to resist all that. you got to remember that, hey, you're his daughter. You're his son. You're his child. You're his servant. You're his bride. You're his priest. Uh, and so uh, you're his friend. You're a friend of God. And not let the power of Babylon cause you to forget all of that. The reality is we're leaving here. We're going out into the real world that wants to remake you and shape you and do everything that I just talked about here this morning. So we need to be salt. Uh, we need to be light. Uh, and we need to, be, to, to, to know whose we are in Christ and to be unmoved like Daniel 
I'm not going to do that food. I don't care what. You know, I'm drawing a line right here. Be unmoved and unintimidated and unpersuaded by whatever comes from Babylon. So, and here's uh, what I want to dare you. I want to dare you this morning, the first of 20 dares, I want to dare you to be distinct. I want to dare you to be like Daniel in his willingness to be distinct. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. And so let's pray. Father, thank you for the great opportunity to open the scriptures. And I thank you, Lord, that your word does not return just like void or empty, but always uh, accomplishes the purpose that you have for it. I thank you, Lord, that your word is like, a, like an arrow that can pierce to the, to the depths of the heart. And I pray, Lord, that you would shape us, that you would make us, that we would be renewed in our minds by hearing the ancient uh, manuscript found here in Daniel. I pray, Lord, that you would take a match and just throw it upon our hearts and cause the things that we've heard this morning to burn inside us. I will not be defiled. I'm going to purpose in my heart not to be defiled. I'm going to live to an audience of one. I'm going to be an intimate of the Almighty. I'm going to be His. I'm going to know whose I am and who I am, my identity firmly rooted in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that you would do this and more. In Jesus' name, amen.